Hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised always, no matter what. No matter what is going on externally in our lives, Christ is worthy to be worshipped and praised and adored. Amen? Amen. Well, before we begin to worship in the Word of God this morning, let's go before the throne of grace and let's seek His face together as the church here in Valdosta this morning. Father God, Lord, we um, call out to You. Father, I, I tremble before Your throne knowing, God, the weightiness, the gravity of the preaching of Your Word. This is no light task. Father, I pray that the heaviness of preaching Lord, would weigh on the hearts of Your people this morning. And that, Father, You would, Lord, give them ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church this morning. That, Father, if there are any who do not know You, God, open their eyes to see the glory of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that today You will be honored. I pray, Father, thanking You that, Lord, at the end of our service today, we, Lord, will be celebrating a work of Your grace in the baptism of Caitlin. And we give You praise for that. God, it is Your work, not ours. Lord, I pray that You will, Lord, speak Ephesians 1, 15 and 16 into the hearts of your people today. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you will take your copy of God's Word, open with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to look at the next two verses in Ephesians chapter 1, just following along the logic of our verse-by-verse journey through the book of Ephesians. And if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 15, Paul writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. You may be seated this morning. Wow. I have heard something, Paul says. I, I have heard something. My, my question is, do you hear what Paul heard. Do you, do you hear what Paul heard in Ephesus? Do you, do you hear the same thing of Valdosta today? Do you, do you hear what Paul heard in Ephesus in your own life? In your own family this morning? Oh, Paul heard the mighty rumbling effect of sovereign grace in the hearts of the Ephesian church. Wow. It, this is significant. 
This, listen, Ephesus was a place that was steeped in pagan worship, the false worship of demon gods. In particular, they centered around the worship of that false goddess Artemis. And they were ingrained in that. But in that anti-Christ environment, Paul heard the sonic boom of sovereign grace. For there were many in that pagan environment that had been transformed because he said, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have heard of your love towards all the saints. And because of that, he could not cease giving thanks for them. And he, he could not cease giving thanks in his prayers for them. And that was a powerful Thing. Now, that simple reality of Paul hearing the effects of sovereign grace in the hearts of those people, that begs a probing question for us this morning. That question is simply, will people hear what Paul heard when they hear about you and me. Will people hear what Paul heard when they hear of Valdosta Baptist Church? Will they hear these sounds? Will they hear the sounds of sovereign grace's effect? Or will they hear a different kind of sound? The truth is that churches emit sounds. Our lives are emitting sounds all the time. Whether we want to acknowledge that or, or not, but some sounds are more like the sound of nails going down a chalkboard grating on people's nerves rather than the sweet sound of the symphony of grace. Which, what, what, what are people hearing? Are they hearing the effects of sovereign grace in your life? What, what are they hearing? Some churches, the sound is nothing more than a fleshly fabrication. Some churches, the sound is nothing more than a demonic delusion. What is it that they're hearing? Is it simply what Paul says he heard? I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and subsequently, your love towards all the saints. Is, is that what describes us? It's what's describing where God's grace has really been at work. And it's what's describing the Ephesians here. Is that what people will hear? Will, will when they hear of us, will they hear that? Will they hear of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and hear of our love toward all the saints? Or will they hear, oh no, they're a bunch of gossips. Will they hear of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our love toward all the saints? Or will they say, oh no, no, those people, when I think of them, they strike me as self-righteous religious people. Will they hear of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our love toward all the saints? Or will they think of us as, oh, those people are racist. 
When they hear of us, will they think of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our love toward all the saints? Or will they think, oh no, those people are just argumentative. Those people are just a group of ballers. Or will they think, oh, of those people, they're just disinterested. They give lip service to this God they say they know. But they are cool. They are not lively. They are dead in their orthodoxy and act like they don't know the God they profess. Which is what will people hear? I certainly hope and pray that we will be sending out sonic booms that make much of His great name. I pray that we will not be known for our weaknesses, we will not be known for our strengths, but we will be known for His grace at work among us and in us and through us. I pray that the Apostle Paul, hypothetically speaking, looks down from the sapphire seal of heaven's gates and looks down upon us. And what does he hear? He hears the sounds of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love towards all the saints. That is my prayer. That he will be able to say, Just as he said of these people, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Now, what would this mean? What would this mean about us if the sound of grace was being heard? What does faith in the Lord Jesus Christ sound like? What does love towards all the saints sound like? Well, let's consider them one by one here in the logic of this text. I have two main things for you this morning. How appropriate, not 500 points. With the, we got a baptism at the end of the service. But very simply, what... what is the sound of sovereign grace. Number one, it is the faith, it is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the first thing Paul mentions here. When Paul says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not mean, oh, by the way, Valdosta, I have read your ACP report that you get from the SBC and that you had a hundred professions of faith last year. That's not what he's Say, he does not mean, oh, I take note, there have been a lot of public decisions made. Paul is more mature than that. That is not what Paul means. Because Paul is not impressed with external appearances. Paul is not going by what he has seen here so much as what he has heard here. Sound is the result of something happening that causes vibrations in the air. For example, when lightning strikes and you're sitting in, the, in your own room at home and you're engrossed in your phone, just as me and a brother were talking about before the service this morning, you're just all consumed with the phone. You don't notice anything. You didn't see the flash of lightning, but you will soon hear its rumblings and feel its rumblings, and that's called thunder. You feel it. It has an effect. It's heard. Wow. 
The electrical discharge creates a disturbance in the air. Sound is the effect of lightning. Well, Paul has heard. Okay, Paul has heard according to a text. And what has he heard? He has felt the effect of, the fa- of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For faith that is real has an effect. The internaling rumblings of faith cannot be silent, but they are externally felt. And so we can be so immature, I think, sometimes we... We see big evangelistic events that take place and massive amounts of supposed decisions for salvation are reported and we're like, wow. Six months down the road, less than 5% of those people have been baptized and are active in a local church. Why is that? One person will say, well, it's all because we're falling down on the follow-up. Follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Well, that might account for one of them. The truth of the matter is, is that most of them never exited the broad road that leads to destruction. There is no real faith there. Real faith has a sound. It has an effect. It has a a way of expressing itself. Real faith is not something you can hide under a bushel. Real faith has an effect. Real faith has a sound. And you can make a thousand decisions all day long. You can repeat the prayer on the back of a pamphlet all day long. And I tell you that you will burn in an eternal hell unless there is real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that alone is a work of sovereign grace. Now, Paul had heard this effect. Real faith is pistis. You say, it's what? That's the term that Paul used in verse 15. That's the Greek word where we find faith being translated. It's the word that he uses. It means to put your trust into somebody. It means to believe in somebody. But this word carries with it a little bit more. It carries this even a step further. For to believe it is to believe in that individual so much so that you're willing to, to throw all of your weight and all of your confidence in them and lose all of who you are and surrender to all of who they are. That is what we're talking about here. When it comes to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, it means absolute trust in who He is and what He does and in what He says. Real faith exits the broad road to destruction and it enters the narrow road that leads to life. Real faith does not just say, Lord, Lord, it does what the Lord says. Not perfectly, but when sovereign grace has entered our hearts and the result is a gift called faith. Paul calls faith a gift of grace in Ephesians chapter 2. When that is there and it is real, the bent of our life turns more towards obedience than it does disobedience. 
Not because we decided all of a sudden, well, I think I got it all together, but because God's grace has touched your life. That's why. That's why. Wow. You see, Paul had heard the effects of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesus. He had heard of their undeniable love for all the saints. He had heard, if you get on over into the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, he talks about how he's heard that they no longer walked in their trespasses and in their sins that once dominated them as they were once dead in their sins and their trespasses. And dead people don't make decisions, but grace will make them alive that they can I'll let you think about that one. But anyway, they no longer were following after the prince or the power of the air. They were now a new person, a new creation in Christ. And their lives, though they might sin, and though they might blow it, and though they may not be perfectly obedient, the change in direction of their life was one that has a propensity towards obedience because faith has an effect. Faith affects your life and your life is affected also by virtue of the fact that you are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit whom you have been sealed with that we looked at a few weeks ago wow will it be said of you will it be said of Valdosta Baptist Church no doubt our sound effect will be the sound of saving grace so long as our aim is to savor Jesus Christ only. Real faith will be our defining characteristic so long as we seekly, simply seek to be devoted to Jesus Christ alone and His teaching. I promise you, we must be careful that we do not get swept away into some new and strange doctrine of devils. We must be sure that we do not get caught up in the shallow game of multiplying numbers and thinking, oh, we've grown because we've multiplied numbers when all that may have grown is a malignant tumor. We must be careful. We must be careful. And we must be Focused on Christ only. Centered around Christ only. Well. Second thing Paul says he heard, hears here. He says, I have heard. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he subsequently says, I have heard of your love towards all the saints. Towards all the saints. Now, my friends... Where there is true faith in Christ alone, the effects are, are many. And Scripture presents us with many evidences that that faith is real and that faith is there. First John does an excellent job of dealing with some of those different effects of faith 
in a person's life. But I would tell you that probably one of the loudest rumblings that comes from a work of sovereign grace where faith is real in the Lord Jesus Christ is this love that emanates from the new creature in Christ. This love that emanates from them towards all the saints, all Christians. Because where a Christian is truly Christian, they love white, black, red, yellow, big, tall, fat, small, ugly, annoying, rich, poor. If they're born again, we love them. Jesus said in John chapter 13 and in verse 35, A new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. I'll say that again. By this men will know that you are my disciples. Here's the condition. Here's how you show you're real. He says if, 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 if you have love one for another. That is the effect. Of true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Let me, let me just take just a moment. Let me remind you of the testimony of the Scriptures for a moment. Let me, let me remind you of some of these passages in 1 John that just deal with love and how love should be there. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. John writes this. He says, we know that we have passed from death unto life. What? In other words, he said, we know that we're saved. We know that we're truly Christian. All right? We know that we have been saved by grace. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Hmm. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wow. How about 1 John chapter 4? Verses 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves... Not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because He sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and His love is perfected in us. 1 John 4, verse 20 and 21. If any man says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. And he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. You can't get around that. 
That's pretty plain. That's pretty black and white. Well, Paul heard something. Paul heard the effects of sovereign grace. And when sovereign grace has touched a life, it expresses itself in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And where that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is real because it is the result of sovereign grace, then they who have that faith will love all Christians. You'll love the saints. Now, that does not mean that you're going to be happy with everybody all the time. That does not mean you're going to like everybody all the time. I mean, some people's personalities are just not going to mesh with your personality, but that does not mean you can't love them. It does not mean that you're going to act lovely all the time. But you, God loves you. And if you're indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, there is a supernatural work of grace in you that must express itself in love towards each other. Wow. Wow. Paul heard this love among the brothers rumbling in the heavens. This love for one another was connected to a true love for God. Will it be heard of you? Will it be heard of me? I'll tell you something else. I pray for you and I pray for me. Paul prayed this for the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1. He talked about this love that they had. He said I, he prayed that this love would abound more and more in them. Oh, I pray that Paul, again, could hypothetically look over the sapphire seal of heaven, and he would look at you, and he would look at me, he would look at Valdosta, and he would say, I have heard, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard of your love towards all the saints. And I have heard and I can't stop giving thanks for this work of grace. It's, 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 it's louder than Ephesus. Wow. It could be. By His grace. It could be. It could be. So I would, I would close this morning very simply with two questions. Number one, saint, are you helping with the sounds of grace here or are you hindering them? And then I would also say, sinner, would you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would you come to Him? You have nothing to offer. You come as you are with all of your, your, your sin, with all of your problems, come to Christ and repent. Turn from yourself and turn to Christ and, and, and put your confidence in Him. Turn, trust Him, treasure Him. Would you today? That would be the evidence of sovereign grace. Would you? I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed.
And I'm going to ask, um, if you would, to stand to your feet.